CTV's W5 with Avery Haynes. Welcome to W5. A controversial approach to the drug overdose crisis is quietly taking hold in Canada. In fact, until now, it's never been tracked nationally. But increasingly, police are laying so-called murder by overdose charges against those who sell or even those who share drugs with someone who then dies. A W5 open source investigation reveals just how often it's happening with critical questions about whether it's doing more harm than good. This is 24-year-old Reed McGregor with her mom, Gail. Hi! Hi! Playing with future guide dogs they would later foster in their Toronto home. Oh, Reed was um, a very bright, uh, passionate, lively, smart, funny person. Is it hard for you to say she was those things? I mean, this is still so fresh. Yeah, it shouldn't have been. She was excited for her future, finishing her degree at Ryerson and starting her life as it should be. Her life as it should be. And on January 6th, 2021, her death as it shouldn't be. I went downstairs and I could see that the light was on um, dimmed in her room. The door was closed, but I could see the light was on. So I went over and knocked on the door and no answer. And I opened the door and found her slumped over on the couch and immediately started CPR, called 911. And um, it was very traumatic. I remember, no, like screaming, no, this can't be, and calling her name and seeing her chest not rising, but I knew that she was gone. Her eldest daughter dead at 24. Because of COVID, Reed's memorial was held online. Like she actually can't be gone forever. Forever is what punches me in the gut. I'll never be able to talk to her ever again. She was beautiful and popular. <laughs> And I knew I wanted to be friends with her. Remember to feel all your feelings and to take care of yourself. But most of all, remember to be happy. I know that is what Reed would want us to do. Gail, flanked by her two surviving children, is still struggling to make sense of Reed's sudden death. Um, she did not want this. She didn't want to die? No. While no one was with Reed when she died, Gail believes what happened in her bedroom was a crime. Toronto police wondered too. After you called 911, the police come to the, your house. Detectives came a short while later. So because of the position of her body, there was some blood on her face. So they wanted to rule out any foul play. Um, it turns out that because of the way she had folded over, blood through the process of dying had pooled and it had dried on her face. So they did investigate. 
Reed died of a fentanyl overdose. She'd overcome an addiction, but then had what ended up being a deadly relapse. Gail says the person who sold Reed drugs should be charged in her death. It is my belief that this drug dealer in particular through text messages that I read knew that the drug that he was selling was potentially deadly. I mean, Reed has some responsibility for purchasing it, but he knew full well that what he was selling was deadly. Text messages she and Toronto police read on what would become a key piece of evidence, Reed's cell phone. I think you will enjoy this batch more than the last. OMG, yeah, this shit is way better. And you believe that was the badge that killed her? For sure, because that was the 5th of January and she died on the 6th. Gail says Toronto police used these messages to track down a suspect. I got a phone call the next morning at around 11 o'clock from the detective uh, saying that they had arrested the drug dealer. I said, will this person also be charged with manslaughter? A manslaughter charge? for an overdose? Treating an overdose death as a potential homicide is a relatively new phenomenon in Canada. No one's keeping track of how often it's happening nationally. And so W5 has conducted a first-of-its-kind open-source investigation, combing through a database of media reports, scouring through court documents, and in rare cases, accessing police statistics. Here's what we uncovered. In 2016, the early days of the toxic drug crisis, we found evidence of manslaughter or criminal negligence charges being laid in connection with an overdose just nine times in all of Canada. Just a few years later, that number shot up to 65, an increase of over 700%. The bulk of the charges have been laid by the Ontario Provincial Police. We have criminals out there who with a complete reckless disregard for the safety of our citizens are peddling drugs that are killing people. And we just needed to do something to make sure we were holding people accountable. Brian McKillop is the chief superintendent of Canada's second largest police force, stationed in Thunder Bay. He is the architect of a groundbreaking approach to the toxic drug crisis. The OPP now treats every single overdose death not only as a medical call, but also as a potential crime. Your message is, if you're selling this stuff, prepare to pay the price if somebody dies because of it. Well, absolutely. It would be like it's a small caliber gun, so that I didn't think it would kill anybody. I thought it would just graze them or hurt them a, a little bit. No, these are drug dealers that are dealing the doses of death, right? Doses of death. Doses of death, that's what it is. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If a person's dealing fentanyl, um, they, they could very well be killing people. We're receiving a 1045. EMS is on the line advising a 50-year-old female is VSA. Her partner is currently performing CPR. She advised that she took some fentanyl. W5 was granted behind-the-scenes access to the place where most overdoses are tracked, the 911 call center. These are actual calls between 911 operators and police. Couple shots and no Roxone administered. No success at this point. As the toxic drug supply crisis was escalating, in 2016, Chief Superintendent McKillop 
was tasked with finding solutions. As fentanyl started to make its way, uh, its chaotic path across uh, the nation from west to east, we saw more and more overdoses occur, and we saw you know, great risk and responsibility to provide some kind of a responsive uh, program. In 2018, the OPP launched his responsive program. It included harm reduction strategies, arming officers with the overdose antidote naloxone, and a province-wide order, go after dealers who cause death. So you'll be testing the fentanyl that we see as a result of the last investigation, so I'm really Unlike most other police services, the OPP does keep statistics on the times they have laid charges in connection with so-called overdose homicides. You can see the dramatic spike in charges laid in Ontario from two in 2016 to 28 just a few years later. What's the, the profile of the person who's getting picked up on these charges? It's the local drug traffickers that are dealing the, the, the drugs that are killing people or causing overdoses that are being charged. But ultimately, they would have received the drug from someone else. So each and every investigation that we do, each step of that investigation allows us an opportunity to target higher level criminality. Just across the border from Thunder Bay, Ontario, Minnesota. Find your true north. The tourist campaigns don't brag about it, but it is one of the most aggressive states for prosecuting drug-induced homicides. If somebody's making money off selling poison that's killing people, I'm gonna hold them to account with everything I've got. And I'm gonna be aggressive about it, and I'm not gonna feel bad about it. In fact, I feel good about it. I feel like I'm making a dent. Pete Orput is the prosecutor of Washington County in Minnesota, one of 24 American states that have specific drug-induced murder by overdose charges. Depending on the state, the punishment ranges from two years to life in prison. In four states, a conviction can carry the death penalty. Was there one thing that tipped you over the edge that made you feel, as the prosecutor, that charges of murder need to be laid against the people who supply drugs that kill? Yes. And I first took office in early 2011, and one of my first duties was to meet with the parents of a young man who had died of an overdose. He thought he was buying Percocet pills, but they weren't. They were fake, and they were full of fentanyl. And they wanted justice, and I wanted justice. And ever since then, I think my county has led the league in the state in pursuing drug dealers for killing kids. And every overdose death we come up with is treated like a homicide. Like I say, they owe me for one dead kid, and I'm committed to collecting. They owe him for one dead kid. It's a sentiment Gail McGregor wishes was shared by Toronto police in the case of the dealer who sold her daughter fentanyl. He did something illegal that he knew could cause irreparable harm, and he did it anyway. It seems predatory and... Punishable. Yeah. But Gail says while police used her daughter's cell phone to charge a man with possession and trafficking, they opted not to lay charges specific to Reed's death. And she says they refused repeated requests for an explanation as to why. I, I have no confidence that there was a thorough investigation that led the decision 
to be made to not charge with meth. I just don't know. More than 1,600 people have died in Toronto from opioid toxicity between 2016 and 2020. But we could only find three cases where Toronto police laid charges specific to an overdose death. In a statement to W5, Toronto police say it is very difficult to secure evidence linking a dealer to a death. This drug dealer needs to know that his actions caused somebody to not be alive anymore. Like, that's a big, that's a big deal. You know, he doesn't have to look me in the eye. I don't even know if the drug dealer knows that Reed died. Coming up. We wanted charges laid. The call for the dealers to face their crimes. I need for him to know what happened after he sold her those drugs. When W5 continues. This is a table full of death. Or perhaps more accurately, of lives potentially saved. Why the gloves? Well, what we're looking at right here is fentanyl, and obviously it's highly potent. Ontario Provincial Police Chief Superintendent Brian McKillop stands in front of mounds of fentanyl seized in recent drug busts in Northern Ontario. Even in residue, if a child were to get that and consume that, it could, it could very well kill them. There has been a trend in Canada that, up until now, has not been tracked nationally. A W5 open source investigation reveals a sharp increase in charges against those who supply and even those who share drugs that cause an overdose. I didn't want to believe it. I just, no. It can't happen twice. And it did. Kim Chalk in Barrie, Ontario, has lost two daughters in two years. In 2016, her eldest, Lindsay, died of a brain aneurysm. The next year, her middle daughter, Darcy, died from toxic drugs. This has left a huge hole in your, in your heart, hasn't it? Some days it's beyond, beyond hard. Birthdays, anniversaries, Christmas morning, and yeah. But one day at a time, right? In August of 2017, Darcy was hanging out with a couple of friends. They started sharing what they thought was cocaine. Instead, it was an unusual and deadly synthetic opioid called U47700. Police say this is the first time they have come across this deadly opioid through an investigation. It's known on the street as Pinky. As for the drug, it was developed in the 1970s as a painkiller, but was never produced for pharmaceutical use because of its strength. The side effects are unknown because it's never been tested on people. The drug was so toxic that all three people collapsed. Darcy did not survive. The dealer was never tracked down, but the man who brought the drugs that day and who shared them was charged by Barry police with manslaughter, even though he had no idea he'd purchased something far more powerful than cocaine. 
31-year-old Robert Rogers pled guilty. In sentencing him to 18 months in prison, the judge writes, watching Mr. Rogers be confronted by the stark reality of having caused the death of his friend is watching a young man devastated by what he did. His remorse was genuine. What do the dogs do now when you go ride Tilly? It's been four years since Darcy passed away. Kim savors her time with her one surviving daughter, Allie. She initially celebrated the jail sentence, but now questions whether it did anything at all. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, Avery. It's so, I've changed. So if you're asking today exactly how I feel, he was probably the middleman. He bought it from somebody else and they bought it from somebody else. And then, you know, you're going up the ladder to these, you know, top drug dealers and that's who you need to go after. In fact, while homicide overdose charges may make headlines, there are critical questions about whether it's having any impact at all when it comes to stemming the overdose epidemic. There has not been a shred of evidence that these laws are effective at doing anything. They're certainly not reducing supply. They're not reducing demand. And we know that overdose deaths are increasing across the country. Lindsay LaSalle is a director with the Drug Policy Alliance. The American nonprofit organization has compiled the first ever research documenting a surge in murder by overdose charges in the U.S. You're attacking it from the wrong side. You're trying to go after the supply when the demand still exists, rather than trying to figure out what is ultimately underlying this demand and how can we provide services so that that demand doesn't exist. Just like in Canada, there has been aggressive messaging from some police agencies like this from Florida Sheriff Peyton Grinnell. So, to the dealers, I say, enjoy trying to sleep tonight, wondering if tonight's the night our SWAT team blows your front door off the hinges. We are coming for you. If our agents can show the nexus between you, the pusher of poison, and the person that overdoses and dies, we will charge you with murder. We are coming for you. Run. Despite the tough talk from law enforcement, research from the Drug Policy Alliance finds those being charged are most often a friend, family member, or acquaintance of the person who overdosed. And the trend could actually be leading to more deaths because people calling 911 now fear murder charges. The last person to supply drugs is actually the person who is best positioned to call 911 in the event of an overdose. But they are deterred from doing so as a result of these laws. You have real concerns that this trend towards charging people with murder and manslaughter will undermine Good Samaritan laws that, that will protect them if they do the right thing and help the person who's overdosing. Exactly. That's exactly right. And it's resulting, I think, in significantly more overdose tests that could have been prevented. Canada has Good Samaritan laws too. In fact, the Ontario Provincial Police created this national campaign to spread the message to call 911 in the event of an overdose with a promise that possession charges will not be laid. But Chief Superintendent Brian McKillop admits the law does not necessarily offer protection from murder charges. The Good Samaritan Drug Overdose Act is there to reduce apprehension and fear of police involvement in, in an overdose event or an investigation. You're kind of talking out of two sides of your mouth on this, though. I support the Good Samaritan yep. law. That's number one. But if you're, if you're selling drugs, we're coming to get you. You're going to jail. Yep. 
but the Good Samaritan Act doesn't deal with the trafficker. There's no exemption there. But if, if we know the research shows that the trafficker is generally a person who is a friend or a family member or someone that's known who could be in the room, they may not call because they're hearing you say, you're going to jail. Yep, and yet the crisis continues and people are still dying. Reed McGregor died in January of 2021. Her best friend, Alex Collier, says when she first heard the news, she wanted revenge and was enraged that the dealer wasn't charged with manslaughter. Her outlook has changed dramatically. You've had a complete shift in your philosophy towards whether or not the dealer should be charged with murder. Yeah, 100%. Now with about seven and a half months of intense education about addiction, about the disease, I realize that punitive action isn't gonna do anything. It's that is not going to stop people from selling drugs. And they're very likely a drug user themselves who are selling drugs for their own habit. I don't think sitting in a cell for the rest of his or her life is actually gonna do anything for Reed. And I genuinely don't think Reed would have wanted that either. Reed's mother, Gail, says she still wants the dealer held accountable. But these days, she isn't sure just what that looks like. I'm not sure that sending somebody to jail is the answer. I'm really not. Like, I'm not convinced. But there's something that needs to happen. I need for him to know what happened after he sold her those drugs. But I want him to know that this beautiful person is no longer because of the drugs that he sold her. Reed's best friend, Alex, has set up an online support group for those struggling with addiction. We have a link on our website, w5.ctvnews.ca. You've been listening to CTV's W5 with Avery Haynes. 